0: Well, good morning. I am going to launch right into a message here, right in the middle of, of life build, life flowing out, life coming inside and filling every crevice, every part of us. And, and I describe his last few, few Sundays in a life build dinner and a river. There's a river in Ezekiel 47. I hope you've had time to read that hope you have time to just explore that incredible passage. It's like there's a river that flows from the temple of God. And what it does is it flows out from the center and then it starts flowing. And it, and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper until it hits the Dead Sea. And we talked about that last week. And what happens is that life emerges. The Dead Sea is this desolate place. But as this river hits, Ezekiel sees this vision. Everything comes to life. It's like spring. Trees that were dormant, now have flowers on them. That's what happens. Life starts flowing. Well, I want to take you to a passage. in right. It's actually the last passage of the Bible. Revelation 22. Right at the end. It's, it's an easy one to find, actually. Right at the end. And what's amazing about this passage is, is that John... Now John, New Testament John, like friend of Jesus John, that John, right? The guy, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the guy who hung out with Jesus for three years, the guy who was right there beside Jesus, is kind of Jesus' best mate. John sees a vision. It's the vision of Revelation, actually. He, this is what he sees. And right at the end of this vision, guess what he sees? He sees the same picture that Ezekiel saw like over 500 years ago. Same thing, it's amazing. Look, look at it with me. Revelation 22 Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb Jesus. He sees the same picture this bright river water of life flowing from the throne. See, the same thing that Ezekiel saw. This thing is real. It's there. It's real. And then through the middle of the street of the city, it's a picture of heaven. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I don't believe that's just a future picture of what we'll see in heaven. I actually think this picture is now because it's for the healing of the nations, which needs to be now. <laughs> and this river is flowing out of the throne room of God. It's there. It's real. Ezekiel saw it. John sees it. Do you see it? This river that flows out and it brings life. Things come to life. It's, it's such an amazing picture. But what's really interesting it, right at the end of verse 2, it says, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. And I looked up that word in its original language. It's therapeia. Can you hear the root of what that word might be? We get therapy, therapeutic, those kinds of words out of this word. It means intentional blessing. Service rendered one to another. It actually talks about healing as coming from an intentional blessing from one to another. I want you to see this. Sometimes we think that healing is kind of magic. Like, you know, we just got to get in the river and life flows out. Where is this river, you know? Actually, this describes purposeful. Somebody actually choosing to heal. You see the difference? Not just, oh, I'm in the river. and It's like, you know, people want to go into... Baths of old, you know, or go to the seaside. If I just immerse myself in these healing baths and salts, and they'll be healed, right? No, no, th- this is different. This is somebody administering the healing, someone going out of their way to bless and touch. And in fact, that's what Jesus did, right? He spent his life purposefully healing, going out of his way, blessing, healing, giving sight to the blind, healing the leper. Like I think it just happened once that, that the, a lady came and touched his cloak, and, and life flowed out, right? But most times healing happens when, when somebody purposefully goes out and do that. And we see that today. We see whole professions of healing, amazing. nursing, for example. people intentionally blessing other people purposefully. Mums, particularly, the occasional dad, <laughs> looks after a young one who's cut his knee or something. Go and see your mum, you know. But it's that same kind of idea. No, it didn't work in our house. (laughs) Go and see your dad. He might have compassion on you. (laughs) It's It's true. It's true. You'll be right. No, there's blood. You'll be fine. Go to hospital. Jesus illustrates this masterfully in a story he told once. Let's go there. Luke 10, 25. Jesus is doing his staff. He's healing people, talking about it. And somebody comes to test him. The religious police. This Jesus is, well, he's a bit out of control. He's healing people. He's talking all kinds of things and Mm, not quite sure if that's right, proper, correct, theology. So the religious police, a lawyer, not, not a, like a civil lawyer, like, like a religious lawyer back in those days, stood up. This is Luke 10, 25. Put him to the test. I'm gonna trap Jesus here, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus is the masterful teacher. He answers a question with a question. He says, what is written in the law? Like what's in the Old Testament? What, what do you see? How do you read it? The lawyer answered, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, I've preached a whole series on this. He's just quoting some Old Testament scripture, which is absolutely true. It actually summarizes the whole Old Testament. Love the Lord, love other people. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Tech, theologically correct. Go home, done, finish sermon. But he said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, designed to justify himself. I'll just make sure we've got this right, Jesus, because I'm the holder of the keys right now. I'm the lawyer. Hmm. And who is my neighbor? He shouldn't have gone there. (laughs) He just pushed Jesus one, two bit far. And so Jesus, again, the masterful teacher and storyteller, took this young man, this arrogant young man, into a journey. I want you to imagine that you're going from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a journey of about 30 kilometres. It's kind of here to Meadow Flat. Half the church lives there. Day's walk, eight hours. Anyone done it from Meadow Flat? Eight hours. Except Meadow Flat's uphill. This is downhill because Jerusalem's in the mountains and you go down. Actually, it's not far from the Dead Sea. And as you go out from Jerusalem, you you encounter um, increasing wilderness. And you're heading out on this journey. Maybe it's a family journey. Maybe you've got someone to visit. Maybe you've got business down there. And as you're walking out, the, the environment's getting drier and harsher. And you know that this road is notorious. You know that there are bands of robbers. You know that it's isolated. It's a place where you... You don't go unless you have to go to. And if you do go, then you go with someone else. But this man, perhaps you, are not. And as you walk, it's getting hot. It's a day's journey, so you leave early. And by about midday, things are pretty hot and toasty. You're not seeing things too well. And suddenly, you're ambushed. Suddenly, from behind this kind of, Enclave of Rocks, there's, there's a band of robbers who just jump out of nowhere. And, and even though you're kind of aware that this kind of might happen, you, you're completely taken out. They take you down so hard that, that your shin breaks and and, you, and your bit of bone sticks out your knee. They kick you so hard that, that your ribs crack. And it's hard to breathe. And they, and they punch you so hard that you, your black eye and, and nose is bleeding. And, and, and you're just suddenly lying there. You've got no idea of what just got on you. But, but you know that this is not right. And, and you're in agony. Not only are you physically attacked, you're, you're stripped naked. So that you can't run away. So that you're completely humiliated. And everything that you have on you is taken. Your wallet things that you were carrying for that journey the gifts that you were going to give completely gone and and within a couple of minutes you're left there lying in a pool of blood you can hardly walk because your your leg's been broken you can hardly breathe because your chest is all caved in And, and you can hardly see because of the damage done to your face you're literally half dead lying on this road to Jericho After a while, you come to a little bit, and, and you you kind of look up and, and you see someone coming towards you. Oh, yes, yes. In this confused, dazed sense, you you kind of you can see someone, and then you see it's a priest. You go, yes, oh, someone of my own family. Someone's going to look after me. They, I, I can. Is it priest? Yes, yes. And the priest crosses the road glances, and just keeps walking. The priest is on his way to some religious activity down in Jericho. He's got important business to do. He can't be seen with blood. He can't. I mean, that, that would ruin his day because he'd have to be ceremonially purified because of touching blood. So he can't do that, of course. So he keeps walking and and. and and you are left there oh, absolutely deflated. Here was your only hope. And so you kind of black out a little bit. And then you open your eye again. and Yeah, here's, here's another one. Here's someone else from my kin who's coming. And uh, yes, it's a Levite. Here's, here's like a special person whose job it is, just not just to look after poor people, but to kind of administer things in the temple. Oh, Yeah, Levite, I'm so excited. The Levite, one glance, keeps walking. Not a second glance, just, I just didn't see that. You can almost see him just turn away and literally cross on the other side. And we can imagine what they're thinking. I mean, it's this road is too dangerous to help people. I mean, we might be healed or harmed or something in the process. I mean, it might be a decoy for another ambush. I mean, this, this might be just the start of something and there's a whole bunch of people behind that. I mean, it might not be safe to help. I mean, I mean we've got to get back to Jericho. We've got important business there. I mean, I've got to go home and see my family. I mean, someone really should help that now. I mean, look at that. Someone, where, where's, where's the police? Where's the ambulance? It was the government? They should be helping. Oh, I'm going to serve today at the temple. I can't can't get my clothes dirty. I, I don't know first aid. I mean, it's been years since I did a course at St John's. Here, <laughs> it's a hopeless case. I mean, that I mean, it's too far gone. I mean, I, what skills have I got? I mean, I, I'll pray for him as I walk. I mean, we'll we'll say a little prayer. Lord Jesus, bless that person. Sorry, cameras. He brought it on himself. I mean, he really shouldn't have been out there on his own. Really. I mean, what do What expect? Now you want me to be up No, come on. I mean, he wasn't asking for help either. So, you know, help yourself. I mean, there's so many reasons why I shouldn't help that guy. Back to the story. You're lying there, absolutely let down, absolutely deflated, and you see another person. You're a bit raw by now, because you and then you you kind of what? Oh God. Another expletive bleepity bleep bleep bleep. Samaritan. Oh god. Firstly, the priest doesn't help. Now that Levi doesn't, now, now he's a foreigner. Like these guys hate us. They're half-caste Jewish Assyrians. They're our enemy. Oh, thanks God. Like, aren't you going to help me? Now, now here comes someone who just hates our nation and we hate them. So why, why would it? And you just kind of roll over and close your eyes. Give up. But then you feel... A nudge. You feel someone. You feel touch. You feel someone turn you over. And you feel oil. He sees you. He has compassion. He has mercy on you. He looks you up and down. He sees your knee and he sees your chest. He sees your black eye. He starts ripping his clothes. But this guy's wealthy. He's carrying cash. He's got a donkey. He's, you know, he's he's got money. He's got oil and wine on him. He starts ripping his really nice clothes, and wrapping up and making a splint for your leg. And kind of mops up your face with this wine, which is antiseptic. And then he starts pouring oil over you, which is which is kind of, Congealing, you know, it sort of helps you to, to heal. And then he gets his donkey. He wraps you up and loads you up onto his donkey. He's halfway between Jericho and Jerusalem. He's got to walk another six hours. He starts leading you off. He's walking. He's lost half of his clothes. He's at risk of robbers. But he doesn't care. Finally finds an inn, a hotel. He says to the innkeeper, This guy's a mess. Here's five hundred dollars. It's two days' wages. Take it. I've done what I can. Can you look after him? And if you know, if you need to spend more, go for it, just I'll pay when I come back. He meets your needs. He meets your health needs, physical needs. He mops you up. He meets your transport needs. You can't do anything, you know. He meets every other part of your world. He meets your financial needs. You've been robbed of everything. He meets your dignity needs. He clothes you, puts you back on. the story Jesus tells to the religious man, who's by now pretty, pretty numb. He asks him a question. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He's answering the question. Who is my neighbor? Well, which one do you think? lawyer says, the one who showed him mercy. Mercy. Mercy is kindness. Here's the definition. Kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted. Joined with the desire to help them. See those two things? Just kindness or goodwill towards the miserable. Most of us have that. We look at something like this and we feel something, don't we? kindness and goodwill. We walk past a homeless person in the city and we, we cannot but feel. But this word mercy is joined with a desire to help. The one who showed him mercy says, and Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Go and do. Remember the original question? What must I do? To inherit eternal life, love your neighbor, love God, you go and do likewise. I find this story confronting. Often I preach messages that are reasonably, um, well, I've got a sense of them in me. This one, I'm I'm half preaching to myself because I'm not there. Let's be honest. I'm not there. But I want to be. I'm too busy. I'm too distracted. I don't care enough. But this and so much of Scripture nails me. Like, oh. see, see he's Here's something. Here's something just radical. Jesus... Himself is the Good Samaritan. Watch this. In Ephesians 2, verse 4, it describes how God reached down and saved us. It says, But God, this is Paul writing, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, right, lying on the side of the road, Kicking in blood. Even when we were there, God made us alive together with Christ. He crossed the road. Even when we were dead. Even when we were kind of squirming around. Jesus crossed the road for us and moves in. He says, by grace you've been saved, verse 6, and raised us up with him. Gets us up. On our donkey and takes us into heavenly places in Christ Jesus into the in mercy. See that Ephesians two talks about the reality of Christ doing exactly the same thing for you and me. And this is why Jesus gets so passionate about this. He says, "Well, I've done it for you. What are you going to do in response? You're going to cross the other side." It's a question of our heart, what's in our heart. And I see Old Testament, New Testament, I see a scriptural mandate for meeting felt needs. Like this guy, I and mean, you could have prayed for him. <laughs> you could have shared the gospel with him. Should have told him how much Jesus loves him, but actually right there, <laughs> what does he need? Bandages transport, hospital. I mean, I could have just shared my testimony with him. I was like you once. It's a bit raw, isn't it? What good is it, my brothers, says James, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? See, there's a cost here, isn't there? This is the thing we wrestle with. This is the thing I wrestle with. The cost. Usually time, sometimes money, sometimes effort. It's a great verse in Galatians 6. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So, so like you get this picture of bearing each other's burden. So bearing a burden has weight. If you carry someone. It, it affects you, right? If, if you pay for something, it means you have less of that money for yourself. If, if you go out of your way with your time, that means you don't have that time for something else. So there's a rub here. There's a cost to caring for the poor and needy. It's a burden. But that's what Jesus did. Jesus bared our burden. There's a cost to Him. I believe that Jesus is honestly asking this church the same question. Are we willing to carry a cost? Are we willing to sacrifice some things that we have for the sake of others? Not not for the sake of expanding the church numbers. Wouldn't it be great? Not for the sake of... Let's get more instruments up here. For the sake of the people who need it. Are we willing to carry a cost, are we willing to be interrupted? Are we willing to not have something because we've done that to someone? This guy didn't have five hundred dollars because he gave it to the innkeeper to look after. Him. So now he doesn't have that money. It's a cost. It's cost him something. He doesn't have that time back. He's been delayed. It's, it's almost as if our heartbeat towards the poor and the needy is a test. Because if Christ is in us, and if we've experienced His transformation, it's going to flow out of us. If we're in the river, rivers flow. They don't dam up. They, they flow out. If, if you're in the river, you're going to see life flowing out. Spurgeon says this, he says, Let it never be forgotten that what the law demands of us, the gospel produces in us. In other words, what we read in the scriptures, like like this, like Isaiah 1. Back in the Old Testament, God is having a go at his people. They're they're very religious, right? All these festivals and things going on And in Isaiah 1, you can read the whole context. In verse seven, he says, like, enough, stop, stop the religious stuff and learn, just do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fathers, plead the widow's cause. He said, that, that'd be great. Just, just stop the church services and do this. He's pretty much saying that at the start of Isaiah. Have a read. It's interesting. New Testament? Well, man, that's the Old Testament. What about this? Matthew 25, 42, for I was hungry... And you gave me no food. I was thirsty. You gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. You're the goats. What? What? Well, I didn't see you, Jesus. I mean, I would have recognized you. I mean, you got the halo thing going on. and I didn't. Prison? No, you would be too good for prison. I have a battle with that verse, actually. It kind of hits me like a magpie hit me when I was walking in the park this morning. <laughs> it's like, oh, sorry, it's magpie season. That's what these verses do. Bang! And, and the lawyer, the religious part of us just goes, yeah. By grace, we've been saved, isn't it? It's all about grace. That's why I love this verse from Spurgeon. Let it never be forgotten. The passage from Spurgeon. That what the law demands of us, the gospel produces in us. You'll find your heart melting, not because you have to do these things, but because you want to. Because if Christ is in you, you will find yourself wanting to do the things that Christ did. This is what I love about the gospel. It's not just, here's a great idea, go and do it. It's like, here's a great idea, now I have the power of God inside of me to do it. Because that's what the gospel does in me. That's what being alive in Christ does. It, it reorients me and gives me the power to do it. That's why we did the Holy Spirit. That's the power of God that flows through us. Not because we have to, but because we want to. That's the transformation of our heart. In in a few moments. I might get the music to come up. Rosam is gonna lead us through a communion slash altar call to so we can have some time to sit with this. But before we do that, the the challenge is practical and we're gonna talk about that next week. Get creative ideas of what that actually means in your life. Don't don't jump to the practical right now. Mm-hmm. I know you can probably already think of all kinds of situations where you could step in and do stuff. Don't Just hold that thought for a moment. Because I believe what God is wanting us to do today is have a heart transformation. If it doesn't start with a heart transformation, it ends up in kind of legalistic good works that just, they fade pretty quickly. Or grand ideas that never have currency because it's a heart. It's the heart of life flowing out that Jesus wants in our church, in the church, and the worldwide church, including him. And it's actually really exciting, stepping into the heartbeat of Jesus. It's actually pretty fun, but it's going to cost, and it's going to confront. There's a price tag. Why don't you close your eyes for as we come But Jesus, as we sit with this story, this simple story that you told, it, it cuts through the generations, Lord. And, and it cuts our heart because we know that we're not there mostly. We know that we don't have the same heartbeat that you have towards your people. So I'm praying for a new heart. I'm praying for the heartbeat of life flowing out. I'm praying for a transformed insight. I'm praying that I would realize how much you've given us and how much I can flow.